your copy of God's Word this morning and turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be looking at two scripture passages in Isaiah as we think, continue thinking about Christmas in the Old Testament. And uh, as we read these words, I hope they'll bring comfort to us. Isaiah uh, had a lot of the same situations that we face today. He lived in challenging times. And uh, there were things that disturbed him. And so we're going to see what uh, he has to say about Christmas in his prophecy. When you find Isaiah 7, join me in standing, please, as we show our respect for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Isaiah 7, 14, and then turn to chapter 9 and read verses 6 and 7. This is the word of the living God. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then into chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, as we look at uh, Isaiah, we're reminded that Isaiah lived in troubling times. Uh, and yet Isaiah teaches us some of the great truths of Christmas. Uh, we preached a couple weeks ago before we had our missionary service last Sunday with our missionaries here about the gospel in the garden, about uh, Christmas in Eden, and about how God said that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of woman. In that verse is the promise of the virgin birth. But when we come to Isaiah preaching literally hundreds of years later, maybe even a couple of thousand of, of years later, after the garden, we find Isaiah puts this promise into words that are very plain. I love what Adrian Rogers said about the virgin birth. Now, you may hear some people say, oh, well, you don't need to believe in the virgin birth to be a Christian. Well, listen to what Adrian Rogers said. He said, you see, if there is no virgin birth, there would be no sinless Christ. No sinless Christ, no atonement. No atonement, no forgiveness. No forgiveness, no hope of heaven. No hope of heaven, we all die and go to hell. Thank God for the virgin birth. If you take away the virgin birth, the whole house of Christianity collapses like a house of cards. But I want to tell you, the same prophet who said, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. Also said, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child, bear a son. And so we see the virgin birth. We want to look at a couple of things. First of all, look at Isaiah's times. Now, I will promise you, I did this sermon a lot earlier than Friday. Uh, Pat does not allow me to wait until Friday to turn my sermons in. Uh, you know who Pat is. Pat's that nice lady that runs the church for me. I never will forget Brother Bill Franks one day got up and I don't think he could remember Pat's name, but he said, and Lord bless that nice lady who runs the church for Brother Mike. <laughs> so whenever you call Pat, if you'll just say, are you the nice lady that runs the church for Brother Mike? She'll probably say, did he say something about that again? 
And, uh, and you can say, oh, yeah, he, he, got, he, he took it for all it was worth. But, uh, but, but I, I love the fact that uh, I have to have my sermons in early because she won't let me give you a Saturday night special like a lot of churches get. Uh, you can't get those at First Baptist Pelham. But uh, I had turned this in long before what happened on Friday. But notice it was a time of change. Uh, in chapter 6 that our, our missionary speaker read to us last week, as he preached, he read about the call of Isaiah uh, he reminded us that in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now King Uzziah, also called Azariah, was a good and powerful ruler, and he died in 740 B.C. So we know how to date the beginning of Isaiah's ministry from his call in 740 B.C. Uh, Isaiah went to the temple to pray because he was troubled, and when he got there, he saw the glory of God revealed in the temple. He looked up, and instead of seeing lights like I'm seeing right now, instead of seeing a, seeing a ceiling with a roof on top of it, he actually looked up, and the, the top of the temple had been rolled back, and he actually saw into the throne room of God. He had what the old-time preachers called a theophany. He saw God, and he saw God's glory. In fact, he said all of God's glory filled the entire temple, and the temple was a massive building. And yet the temple could not contain God's glory. So it was a time of change. Uzziah had died and Isaiah saw the Lord himself. And then it was a time of corruption. After he saw the Lord, he said, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And he said, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And that's exactly the times we're living in. We are living in corrupt times. When a gunman goes into an elementary school, and guns down little six and seven year old children and shoots them numerous times and shoots those who are there protecting them. These indeed are times of corruption. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a more wicked time to live in the history of the world. I remember years ago, Billy Graham said this, that if God does not pour his judgment out upon America, God would have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because they certainly couldn't have been any worse than we have been in our generation. And I'm saying our generation. Uh, we were set a good example by the greatest generation. They built up everything and, and uh, they gave us the country that uh, honored God and, and we were so thankful to have come through the dark days of World War II. And then basically it's my generation, the baby boomers and those who followed after us. We have forgotten the blessings of God. And that's a pretty common thought in the Bible. If you read the book of Judges, it happens over and over and over again. You see, when you forget God, God will remove his hand of blessing and protection from you. And I think somewhat that has happened. I think we need to understand that if we honor God, God will honor us. If we don't honor God, God withdraws his hand of blessing and protection. It was a time of corruption, much like the times we're living in. It was a time of conflict. There was war in those days. Can you imagine that? Uh, I just read uh, in the paper that the president is, I think, sending men to Turkey for some reason, sending military people to Turkey. Uh, every time you, you turn on the television, there's a conflict somewhere. Uh, in Israel, there's a conflict between Israel and Hamas. And of course, we're still in Afghanistan fighting the Taliban and, and all the forces of a radical Islamic jihad there. Uh, it was a time of conflict in Isaiah's day. In Isaiah's lifetime, the northern kingdom of Israel fell while Isaiah was still preaching. It fell in 722. Judah, the southern kingdom, survived because King Ahaz chose to ask help from King Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria. Now, 
this all sounds familiar. You know what Assyria is today? Assyria is modern day Syria, Iran, and Iraq. Have you heard anything about struggles in any of those nations recently? Uh, it's, it's an ongoing thing from the days of Isaiah till today. There's struggle and conflict there. Uh, Isaiah warned Ahaz of trusting a pagan king instead of trusting the living God. God spoke through Isaiah warning him. He said, if ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. And he said that just a few verses before he gave us the promise of the virgin birth. And so it was a time of conflict. But then notice this, Isaiah was speaking about a time that is coming. He said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign, Ahaz. He's talking to Ahaz primarily here. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah told old King Ahaz that a virgin would give birth to a son and that he would be God with us and that he would live a life of obedience and trust in the Lord. Ahaz was not trusting in the Lord. He was trusting in a pagan king called Tiglath-Pileser. And I want to tell you, friend, we need to put our trust in the living God. Now, let me just say this. Don't worry about the cliff, okay? There's an interesting story. In, the, in fact, I may preach out of that a couple of weeks from now. There's an interesting story about Jesus. One day he preached a sermon. Now, I've, had, I've been booed at some things I've preached before. I remember some ladies got after me one time because I made an offhand comment that I didn't think about, which I will not repeat, Donnie, because I don't want to be booed at Christmas. I was booed at Easter that year. And I was talking about the ladies going to the tomb, and they'd forgotten about the stone being there. And I made an offhand comment, which I will not make ever again, and because uh, I don't like to be booed in the pulpit. But uh, uh, I, in thinking about, about the, the, the ladies that were going to the tomb that day, and in thinking about what Isaiah is talking about here, he's telling us you can trust in God and be blessed, or you can trust in the hand of man, and man will fail you. There, when Jesus preached in the synagogue that day, he preached the scripture from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And, and he got through preaching and he shut the book. And he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. You know what they had? They had a throw Jesus off the cliff party. That's really what they had. I'm not making this up. They grabbed Jesus and they said, who do you think you are? We know who you are. You're the son of the carpenter. They were making fun of, of his birth. They, there were rumors that Jesus was not the son of Joseph, which he wasn't the son of Joseph. He was the son of God. But there were other rumors that he was the son of Mary and a Roman soldier, an illegitimate son. And so they grabbed Jesus and they were going to throw Jesus off the cliff. You know what happened when they got to the cliff? It's in the Bible. You can read it. He just turned and walked right through. He refused to go off the cliff. Now, you know, if Jesus didn't go off the cliff, we don't have to go off the cliff. I'm not worried about the cliff. I'm more worried about God turning his back on me if I turn my back on him than I am about going off a cliff. Hey, if I go off a cliff and it's God's will for me to go off a cliff, one of things, one or two or three things are going to happen. First of all, I'll learn how to fly. That would be exciting. <laughs> Number two, God will give me something to hang on to until somebody can rescue me from off the cliff or I'll meet God face to face. I win either way. I'm not going off the cliff. I'm going to trust in God. I'm, I'm, I'm not, my hope is not in Washington, nor in Montgomery, nor in the courthouse in Columbiana. My hope is in the living God. And Isaiah 
told Ahaz, you'd better put your faith in the living God. In fact, he said, God is going to give you a sign. Now, it was not a sign for right then. Some Bible commentators say, oh, well, Isaiah was talking about the birth of his son. No, he wasn't. Isaiah's wife was not a virgin. Isaiah was talking prophetically about the birth of Jesus Christ. That doesn't even make sense. Why would you say a woman was going to bear a child who was a virgin and it be your wife? No, this was going to happen in the future. God said, I'm going to send a virgin-born Savior. And let me tell you this, God keeps his word. He never fails to fulfill a promise. Did he say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Yes, he did. Did he say, cast all thy cares upon me, for I care for you? Yes, he did. In his word, he said that. So those were Isaiah's times. But then in chapter 9, we see Isaiah's truths. He said a time is coming. And he said when that time comes, here's what's going to happen. And notice all these things. He said, first of all, a child is born. There's the excitement of a birth. You know, when the blunts were standing up here a few minutes ago, I saw three precious children. And that's the promise of the future right there. Now, Matt Blunt will never be, there was only one Matt Blunt. He was unique. He was, he was a unique individual. And if you knew Matt, you were blessed. Matt loved his God. He loved his country. He loved his family. He loved his church. And Matt never complained, went through all kinds of treatments for cancer, and was always so grateful for whatever help anybody could give to him. All the time he was sick, I never heard him complain one time. He was thinking about his little girl growing up, and he made videos for her to, to be able to share special occasions in her life. Her high school graduation, her wedding day, he wanted her to know that even though he was not there physically, he was going to be there spiritually. But you know, these children I see in the Blunt family, that's God's hope for the future. Several weeks ago, we had a call from Jake and Sarah. Before they called me, they sent me a picture on my cell phone. And I looked at it and I thought, what in the world is this? I, what is this? And I kept looking at it. And finally, I thought, you know, if I didn't know better, I think that was an ultrasound picture of a baby. <laughs> a baby. I'm going to be a grandpa again. And we called Jake and Sarah, and I was so excited. Man, I, I cried like three women. I did. I, I mean, I was, I was so excited. I, was, I had used every Kleenex in the, in the house up. I was so excited. And while we were talking, they said, and you can't tell anybody. And I went, ah, me not tell? No, you can't tell anybody until Thanksgiving. And this was about six weeks before Thanksgiving. I didn't tell a soul. I didn't even tell Pat, the lady that runs a church for me. <laughs> I finally told her, I said, when you read my newsletter article for December, you're going to find something out, but don't tell anybody about it or I'll have to kill you. Because <laughs> I said, Jake and Sarah have me to silence. And then finally they said, you can tell. I was so happy to get up here on Come Before Winter Sunday and tell y'all, hey, there's going to be an addition to the Shaw family in North Carolina. And we're excited. Oh, there's something about the birth of a baby. There's just something about that. But in, not only was it a baby, notice this, he says a child is born, a son is given. This is the excitement of an heir. Uh, in England, this new prince or princess that's coming along, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but poor old Prince Harry is going to be shoved back. This little baby that's not even here yet, 
is going to show Prince Harry back. And for Prince Harry to ever get to be king of England, something's going to have to happen to this little baby. Isn't that something, how they already got that determined, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that the guy that's prince now, ever, ever, his mom was going to live forever. She's been queen since 1950. I mean, she's, you know, she's, and she just likes being queen. I'm going to stay queen. You know, I'm going to be the world's oldest living queen here in England. But, you know, when you have an heir, that's exciting. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not a male chauvinist, but in the ancient world, there was something about having an heir, a male child. And, and uh, they, they were not as happy about little girls as they were about little boys. I want to tell you, somebody asked me the other day, well, do you want Jake or Sarah to have a boy or girl? I said, I don't care. And I really don't. I really don't care. Because we didn't have a girl shawl for over 100 years. And I have loved having Tanner as my grandson and Lily Grace as my granddaughter. And I really don't care what it is. It, it can be a boy or girl. I, don't, I want it to be what God wants it to be, and it will be what God wants it to be. And I don't like to call it it. It's Sweet Baby. That's the name we've given. Since we don't know if it's a boy or girl, we just call it Sweet Baby. And uh, we're excited about that. Uh, a child and a son. And then notice this. The government shall be upon his shoulder. We're going to have one day a ruler that is righteous. You say, how is this going to be fulfilled? Well, if you read the book of Revelation, there's going to be a thousand years when Jesus Christ himself will reign on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem. And the Bible says all those of us who followed him in his, in his heavenly kingdom will reign with him in his earthly kingdom. Isn't that going to be something? You're talking about a promotion. You're going to be a prince or a princess in the heavenly kingdom because you serve with Christ in his kingdom now. You'll reign with him. And in that kingdom, it will be a glorious kingdom. There won't be any bad news to tell. There won't be any disease. There won't be any growing old and feeble. For a thousand years, people will live on earth the way God intended for them to live before the fall of man. What a promise that is, a ruler that is righteous. And then notice his name shall be called. And Isaiah starts in here, and he's been, this is being revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. You know, these are Isaiah's words, but the Holy Spirit told him what to say. And Isaiah starts to talk about his names. Now, let me say, these can be names, but I think they're really more descriptions of what he's going to do. But he is all these names. First of all, he said he's wonderful counselor. Now, Bible scholars argue over, well, is he a wonderful counselor or is he wonderful and a counselor? Duh. He's both. He's wonderful. There's not anything about Jesus that's not wonderful. He was wonderful in his birth. He was wonderful in his life. He was wonderful in his death. He was wonderful in his resurrection. He was wonderful in his ascension. He's going to be wonderful in his return, and he's going to be wonderful when he reigns on earth. But he's also a wonderful counselor. Oh, there's that old song we used to sing, Paula, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No one else could heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our troubles. He will abide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. You know, he is my counselor. He said, who do you go to in your trouble? I go to Jesus. He said, how do you go to him? Sometimes I go on my knees. Sometimes I go in his word. Sometimes I go flat on my back, flat on my face. But you can always trust his counsel. He is a wonderful 
counselor. But then also Isaiah says, he is mighty God. He's the mighty God. Now, now he's talking about a child here, a child who was born, who was mighty God. You know, we talk about Jesus in the manger and he was a sweet, precious baby. But do you realize that sweet, precious baby was God in human flesh? Think about that. For the first time, God had a face. For the first time, God had a need. He needed a mother. He needed someone to take care of him. You know, that's something about babies. They can't take care of themselves. They need someone to take care of them. For the first time, God needed someone to take care of him. He was mighty God, but he was Mary's sweet baby boy who needed his mother and needed the protection of Joseph, his earthly father. He is the mighty God. He alone can raise the dead. He alone can calm a stormy sea. He alone can help a troubled soul. Oh, friend, I want to tell you, if you're ever troubled, you won't find a better friend and a better help than King Jesus because he knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to have his feelings hurt. He knows what it's like to be despised and rejected. He knows what it's like to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows what it's like to kneel in a garden praying for us so much that he sweat great drops of blood. He knows what that's like. But he also knows he's mighty God. He can speak this world into creation. That's how it came. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He is the everlasting father. Think about that. He's a son, but he's the everlasting father. He's the son of God, and he's the father and the Holy Spirit as well. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's eternal. You say, how can that be? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't have an idea. And, and if you have an idea, let me tell you, your idea is probably not so hot. You can't explain the inexplicable. That's why it's inexplicable. That's why that word was, there are just some things you can't explain. You can't explain how the son's in the father and the father's in the son and the spirit's in the father and the spirit's in the son. And you just can't explain all that. And it's not three gods, it's one God. And I do want to say this. God has never been like me, okay? You say, well, didn't you say Jesus was a man? I did say he was a man, but he was a man without sin. I'm a man with sin. Big difference. Big difference. I love my wife. I would lay down my life for my wife, but I can't die for my wife's sins because I have sins myself. You see, through the virgin birth, we have a holy Savior. And that holy Savior came to redeem all of mankind. And it's, you're only redeemed through him. There's no other redemption. You say, well, that's narrow, preacher. That's what Jesus said. I, you know, some people are so broad-minded, as Brother Paul says, their brains fall out. Y'all thought Brother Paul was a kind old fella. He said, well, he's known people in his life that were so broad-minded that their brains just fell out. Well, I want to tell you, I'm not that broad-minded. It wouldn't take a big crack for my brain to fall out anyway. But I want to tell you this, whatever God says is true. And he says, no man comes unto the Father but by me. That's why missions are so important. You see, if we just believe that Jesus was a way to heaven, I'm going to be honest with you, Paula. 
I probably wouldn't pray near as much as I do for Anzimani if I believed that Jesus was just a way to heaven and there were other ways to go. But you know, I know that Liv and Brian Meany are over there in Africa and they're telling those street boys in Wanza, there aren't many ways to God. There's one way. And it's the way of the cross. It's a blood-sprinkled way. And if you don't go that way, you don't get to God. You know, that's why I give to Lottie Moon Christmas offering, our Southern Baptist missionaries, wherever they go. And sometimes they do it. And, and two years ago, the man who stood in this pulpit on Mission Sunday went back to his country. And this past year, he was deported because they found out he was a born-again Christian and was telling people in that country how to follow Jesus. They found him out. You say, well, is he worried? No, he just says this is the next chapter. God's in control. He's the everlasting father. And I love this one. He's the prince of peace. He's not just a prince who brings peace, but he is the prince of peace. And when he rules and reigns, there will be peace on earth and goodwill to men. That's what the angel sang to the shepherds. You remember that? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Isn't it something that the angel sang that the night of his birth and it hasn't taken place yet completely? There wasn't peace on earth that night. There's never been a time since then when there's absolutely been peace on earth, but there's coming a time for those of us who know him and love him. There's coming a time when he'll wipe all tears from our eyes. There's coming a time when cancer is done away with. There's coming a time when death is done away with. There's coming a time when divorce is done away with. There's coming a time when all sorrow and misunderstandings and things that cause pain will be put away by the Prince of Peace. And then we'll study war no more. And then we'll beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. When the Prince of Peace reigns on this earth. I love what old Dr. Archie Lee said. He said the virgin birth is the seal of the Father's approval affixed to the claims of Jesus as his only begotten son. Nobody could say it like old Dr. Lee. He was so eloquent. What he's saying there is absolutely the truth. The virgin birth is the seal of the Father's approval affixed to the claims of Jesus as his only begotten Son. Well, that's Christmas in Isaiah. What are we going to do about it? See, the problem is it's in here, isn't it? You know about it, don't you? If you don't, I'll preach this sermon all over again. You better be nodding your heads this way. I mean, I'm about done, but if you didn't get it, I can go through it again. I mean, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. But see, the problem is, I think you know it, is that many times it stays in here. We don't take it outside. And I hear the whatever that is, thunder, whatever, rain, whatever it is. Listen, you know what I want rain? I want God's spirit to rain down on this place. I want God's spirit to break our hearts for the things that break God's heart. I want God's spirit to, to give us that supernatural power that only comes from the living God. I want you Sunday school teachers, when you go to teach Sunday school, now some of you have already taught Sunday school. Brother Bill Dillahunty, you already taught Sunday school. You're going to have to wait until next Sunday to do this. But I want you Sunday school teachers to go to your class. And I want you to realize you're not there to teach a class. You're there to teach the word of God. 
and you're there to teach the Word of God to people who need the Word of God, who can take the Word of God to other people who need the Word of God worse than they do. And that's what Sunday school should do. You see, if we just have a little Sunday school party and it's just us and we're not reaching out to other people, especially people who are hurting, then the Great Commission is just a saying. And it doesn't mean a thing to us. It needs to be more than a motto. It needs to be what we eat, sleep, live, and breathe. What are we going to do about getting the message of the virgin birth and the wonderful counselor and the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace? We have to take it. We have to take it. Each individual. Would you do that this week? Let's bow together for prayer. Father, help us this week to share the wonderful message of the virgin birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the wonderful words of Isaiah that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, the wonderful words that he shall be mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, help us to take that message as we leave today. Help us not to leave it here in the church where it echoes down empty halls for much of the next two weeks. But help us to take it to a lost and dying world, a world that's hurting this morning because of sin. And help us to point people to the Savior who is the Redeemer and the only Redeemer for mankind. Now, Father, may we respond to his call as Isaiah did. May we say, here am I, Lord, send me today in Jesus' name.